0: Well, good, morning. good morning and good morning to you at home our middle schoolers are dismissed for sunday school with joe and i know it's going to be super enriching i'm a little uh, i feel a little uh, uh lost joe's starting to lead a bible study on friday afternoons with our senior hires in the book of ephesians i kind of wish that i could go back and hear what he has to say that we could start the series over but we're going to We're going to press on because we are actually in Ephesians chapter 2, the end of Ephesians, and I will be reading uh, the text here. Ephesians 2, verses 19 to 22. Listen now to God's word. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This passage has four massive implications for us, for our church, for our lives, and so I want to just speak to those four implications and how they apply to our context and in your context at home, uh, and then I pray that the Lord would prepare us as we come to the table. First implication of this text, being one in Christ, there's a place for everyone, a place for everyone. Verse 19, so then, so Paul's, whenever you see a word like therefore or so then, so then what? What what happened before that? It's related to whatever happened before. So then, related to all of what we've experienced so far that Paul's spoken of. And he shared the gospel, that we passed from death to life by grace. That that Christ has put an end to the hostility in his own self, in his blood, and His shed blood on the cross. He's knocked down the barriers between Jew and Greek, gathered here, Jew and Gentiles in this church in Ephesus. So then, here is the first implication. You're no longer strangers to the covenant promises, which they were before. They weren't, weren't a part of Israel. They were far off. And aliens, aliens to the commonwealth of Israel, but you are fellow citizens. The Apostle Paul is being really genius here. He's bringing in political language that people there in Ephesus would understand. They were uh, citizens of Rome. They would understand the importance of having citizenship. And he's explaining to them here, you're no longer citizens of any other empire or nation. You are now citizens of the kingdom of heaven, God's new society. So the powerful Reference here. Think of those that are outside of that, those that weren't citizens of any uh, nation state. He says, No, you are now part of the citizenship of what God's doing. And think about the same language we have when we talk about immigration and issues of, of, of language changing, right? There's no illegals in the kingdom of God. And so he speaks here of a place for everyone in this kingdom, regardless of your background, that your citizenship is in heaven. But then he goes on, he changes, he adds another metaphor, and now you are members of the household of God. So you, you don't just have a passport or, or, or a stamp so you can travel from here to Canada and back. Can we, can we do that yet? Are we allowed to, to do that yet? Still no? Still shut down? There's no borders with this kingdom. No, not only do you have a passport as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. You, and all of you here, entrusting in Jesus, you're part of the family. You have a seat at the king's table. What a powerful message here. This was God's plan. It was his plan from the beginning to bring things. Look, look at chapter 1, verse 10. Paul lays it out. This was the plan. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. That is, In Christ, things in heaven and things on earth, this was God's plan from the very start, to knock down those walls, to put an end to the hostility, to bring people together into his new society. And here we see a church gathered together of diverse people. What did Jesus command uh, his disciples? What was the great commandment? Go and make disciples of people just like you. Is that what he said? What did he say? Go and make disciples of the nations, the nations. Abraham and his family given a blessing, and this was a blessing for them to be a blessing to the nations. And so here's implication number one. We must pursue the nations, diversity in our outreach and our evangelism, creating a place for everyone. And I know that looks different wherever you are, whatever context you're, context you're in. I came, as you know, maybe you don't know at home if you're new or those that guess they are here uh, for the first time, from a church in Maryland outside Washington, D.C., a very diverse area. And the church that I led, founded in 1845, it's been around for a little while. In just the past couple of decades, the demographics changed. And while I was there, our church was made up of 22 different nationalities. Imagine all of our elders and deacons, I figured this out last night, made up of seven different nationalities under one church roof. But that's not the only form of diversity. Paul's speaking here of Gentile and Jew, but there's all manner of diversity, social, economic, background, what have you. We want to be a church where there's a place for everyone. That's why I'm so thankful that we're part of a denomination, ECO, a covenant uh, order of evangelical Presbyterians that's very committed to church planting. ECO sees a vision of need for the gospel to be propagated across this land where there are more churches, not less, in need. But church will look different in the future. Maybe it's a church that needs renovation, a church that's dying, that needs some new life breathed into it. Maybe it's a church that meets in a coffee shop. Maybe it's a church that meets uh, during the week uh, in the marketplace. Our denomination is committed to church planting and supporting church planters. So it's no wonder that back in January of 2019, when our team went to Texas, we were there and we were talking about church planting. And I took Joe, who's now teaching our middle schoolers, And he knows this, but I'll just whisper, I think he'd be an amazing church planter. So we pray for Joe to lead a church, right, Liz? I see her head nodding. absolutely. So, hey, Joe, let's go check out this church planting seminar with uh, your personal hero, Eugene Cho, who is the guest speaker. And there, when we're hearing about the need for more churches to be planted, I meet uh, Reverend Dr. Paul Kim, a pastor in our area. He's a church planter. Paul and his wife have led churches many, many times bigger than Maple Valley Church, but the Lord laid on his heart a vision of planting woven community church. They're now in Bothell. So we hit it off. We were chatting, chatting with Joe, chatting with me, trying to get Eugene in there, a little conversation. All this time goes by. That was January of 2019. I get a call from Paul. Imagine how much a church plant would struggle through a pandemic. And he called just to check in and and see if there could be some type of partnership, some type of shared, symbiotic connection. Now, as a church, we have a vision for 2020 to 2025. And part of that We Are Family plan is that we would be part of a church plant, whatever that might be, whatever the Lord would lay on our hearts. And then Paul calls and he says, Pete, I gotta tell you, I've called everyone else before you. <laughs> well, I was last call. Well, we hit it off, and he uh, has, has spoken with our elders, and they're catching that vision, and we're praying about what that partnership might look like. His kids, uh, some kids from his church, are going to Kashmir. Joe's preaching at his church next week. We're seeing a possibility of a shared ministry. And here it is, folks there's a place for everyone. That's what we want here in this campus, or any other partnership we have, to throw open the doors and welcome the people of God in. That's what Paul's speaking here, I think, it's an implication. Implication number two, we are founded on the gospel. So number one, there's a place for everyone. And number two, in Christ, we are founded on the gospel. Look at verse 20. You are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So here now, Paul brings in yet another metaphor. That's what pastors do. They come up with lots of different illustrations and metaphors, don't they? Rob, you bring up stuff you're like I don't even know how you're gonna get home now with that, that um, rock going through. You just reminded her she was over it, and now you've brought it up again. Here's Paul bringing up another metaphor. So we've had the metaphor of citizenship, of being welcomed into family, and now a word about construction, something being built. And he says it's built, it's founded on the the apostles and the prophets. That's speaking to the teaching of the gospel. As the disciples who were commissioned by Jesus to become then his sent ones, his apostles, to bring this message of hope and reconciliation, to bring the very message that we've preached on, verses 13 to 18, that his sacrifice on the cross broke The barriers brought us closer to him. Those who carry that message as apostles and prophets, those are men and women of God who speak the word of God passionately and powerfully. And I, I would say here we could certainly see Old Testament prophets, but we absolutely could also see Pentecost Sunday, the fulfillment of Joel 2, that the Spirit was poured out on all God's people and they spoke in different tongues. And so All those who speak the gospel of the death and resurrection of Christ, this is where the foundation of the church is laid. Now, I don't know much about construction. I don't know anything about construction. But I know this. You only lay down a foundation once. Is that right? Some builders out there? We don't keep tinkering around with the foundation or shifting the foundation or tearing up and pouring something new. Or something, I don't know, something that's just in the air. No, it's been laid down. How do we know that? Because it starts with a cornerstone. The cornerstone of a building keeps the building straight and stable. A cornerstone would be the first giant stone. Think about uh, Solomon's temple and the dimensions of of the stones were massive. But the cornerstone, the first stone on that corner, the first one laid down, was massive and solid. And Paul says here, Christ Jesus is the cornerstone. Now he says more than just a metaphor, he's fulfilling scripture. Isaiah 28, verse 16 Behold, I, Yahweh, this is the living God speaking to his people. Behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone, a Tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. This is prophecy. 700 years before Christ, the prophet Isaiah is being used by God to speak his word, saying that there's been a foundation laid in Zion, a stone, a precious stone, a tested stone, a sure foundation for God's kingdom. Psalm 118 verse 12, speaks another word of prophecy of how the people of God would respond. Psalm 118, verse 22, which Jesus repeats in the Gospels, in Matthew 21 and Mark 12. Peter brings it into his sermon in Pentecost on Acts 4, and the people are crushed when they hear this. They just can't believe that they were a part of this. Here was the prophecy in Psalm 118. The stone but the builders rejected has become the capstone. So, the, so God says, I'm giving you a precious, tested, beautiful foundation, Zion. And within the prophecy in Psalm 118, that beautiful gift, the cornerstone, will be rejected by those who it's been entrusted to. And the cornerstone becomes what? The capstone that brings the whole house down. Christ is the final word and self-disclosure of God. Nothing can be added or subtracted. The foundation has been laid. So what's the implication, church? The implication is we are and will continue to be a gospel-driven church focused on discipleship. This summer, I want you to continue to listen carefully to the teaching from this pulpit when I'm away. David Miles will be your lead pastor when I'm away on sabbatical. Our team will come together and share those preaching duties. It's entirely possible that you will be distracted this summer by many uh, vacations and trips and getaways, but I ask you to please listen carefully to the teaching of the gospel. What God's doing in this place is really really special hasn't been seen in my ministry in my 20 years in ministry you know my predecessor pastor david and i sort of followed suit uh when there was a need for support of our deacons ministry or our uh our mission council uh would come and make a plea to the congregation so when funds going to mercy Ministries, the deacons or funds to support our missionaries were depleted almost zero we weren't sure how to pay the bills uh, an elder or a deacon or, or, or someone from mission council would call the pastor or call me these past couple years and say, can you please say something from the pulpit? There's a need. And did we not see a huge, tremendous need during COVID? Right? And you responded. You responded so much so in supporting our missionaries and our deacons that now I bring a different message, never before communicated, at least since I've been here. You can cool off a bit. (laughs) Our deacons have a reserve of 50 to, excuse me, uh, the the mission council has a reserve of about $50,000 to $60,000 in reserve for our mission support. Our deacons, by your generous investment and and diverting your tithe and offering to make sure that we can help people in need in our community, we have a reserve of $70,000. And so I would say praise God for that. Bless you. Bless you, church. And we can return. I would encourage you to continue to give primarily for this season to the general funding of the church. We've saved a tremendous amount of money with the church being shut down. That's been part of the savings. And now we are opening up. Now we are adding new staff. New staff takes more resources. We're adding pastors that takes more resources. We want to keep the great team that we have. We want greater outreach. We're building a studio. Rob just said, what is this? You're, you're recording an album of gospel music? You said that. It's happening. It's, it, the opportunities to support the mission of the church, the opportunities to support the mercy ministries of the church, the prime directive, the taproot of this church is the general fund. So I'd encourage you to give towards that and give generously. Implication number three. Joined together, we grow together. Verse 21. In whom, that is in Christ, the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple. Now, Paul, now he's really messing with my head here. I'm trying to take notes. He's talking about building a building. And now he's talking about growing something. Buildings are built People and plants are grown. So, Paul, which is it? Are you building a building or are you growing a body or plants? Which is it? Because we need to kind of be clear in our communication, don't we? So what's the answer? Is it building a building or growing a body? And the answer is yes. (laughs) It's both. Why? Because he says being joined together, that's fitted, functioning together by the Holy Spirit Something is is growing. As Sarah said in in the prayer, uh, we don't worship a God made of of stone uh, or wood. And this church is not the the building itself, the structure. It's the people. Turn with me for a moment to chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Paul repeats this theme. He says, speaking, excuse me, so that we may no longer be children Tossed to and fro, let me see, oh no, verse 15, excuse me. Rather, speaking the truth in love, this is chapter four, verse 15 and 16, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, that's into Christ, so he's speaking now of being a body, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with each is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in Love. What's he saying? He's saying every single one of us here that are part of this community, and all of you at home that say Maple Valley Church is my home church, we are all being fitted together, growing together, have the opportunity to use our gifts together towards this great mission. That joined together in that way, we grow together in love. And what is it we're growing? What's being built by the Spirit? It's the temple. Yet another metaphor for you to chew on during your small group time. The the temple language is spoken from Genesis to Revelation, the Garden of Eden, a temple, a place where God could dwell with his people. That's where they were in the garden. But then Adam and Eve were cast out. I had a wonderful time speaking to our students this week about, about why that happened. And then we have... Moses and the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness for, for all those years. And what did they have with them? They had a tabernacle, a traveling temple that was modeled after. It would remind all the symbols there of the garden. We have Ezekiel chapter 40. Look at Ezekiel chapter 40. The, the description, of Ezekiel, is given by the spirit of the temple. We have Jesus. The Word of God, the incarnate Word of God, chapter 1, verse 14, and it says, and he came and he dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us. God came close to us. He condescended. He left heaven to come to be near. There's a theme here, isn't there? A temple, a holy place, a place where we can commune with God. And finally, we get to Revelation, the end of Revelation. We have the cubic dimensions of the new Jerusalem, and there we have Heaven on earth as a temple a place where God can meet with his people so when we think of church whether it's a, a big church like this whether it's a, a home church whether it's a mega church we have actual mega churches in our community whatever size church or home church there in that place fitted together in love joined together is the temple of God years ago Uh, this church committed to building this property. It seemed absolutely beyond uh, the ability of such a small community of believers meeting across the street at a small elementary school. But God made it happen. And 20 years ago, there was a plan to build this sanctuary where we are seated that was phase one of five phases of growth. If If it's the Lord's will, if this community continues to grow in Maple Valley, how many of you have been here for 20 years, have seen the growth of Maple Valley in this region? I've been here only three and a half years. It's bananas how fast it's growing. But that phase of two, three, four, and five hasn't happened yet. Instead, in the transition from Pastor David's long uh, and story tenure as a senior pastor here, uh, before the new pastor, uh, senior pastor came along, we committed to the Gen to Gen project. David, you, you helped lead that project. Of major renovations. Have you ever bought an old house that needed a little renovating? Rob, and Jess, a little renovating. You pull up old carpet, you paint, you repair, and you create something new. Just like an old house. That's what Gen to Gen was was consistent of. Just a few years ago, that you all participated, and also in retiring the old debt. We didn't quite get there, but we're going to soon. I remember when I first came uh, to visit our church. How impressed I was how beautiful this facility was. I remember saying to Cheryl, I said, it looks more like a retreat center than, than a church. It's so beautiful. And I was particularly uh, taken by the children's wing, the education wing. I, uh, this is a place committed to the next generation, to preschool and, and to Sunday school. It's beautiful. I remember meeting with Sarah. Where's Sarah? She's somewhere. Sarah and her team uh, and uh, the ladies from the preschool, we all met together. I just said, I'm so impressed by how beautiful the space is. And they started crying. That made me cry. I'm like, why are we crying? It was this beautiful moment. 20 years ago, there was a vision. And now that vision is moving forward by God's grace and by our collective agreement to say 100% of us want to contribute to the We Are Family campaign. So the analogy of a, you buy an old house, you renovate, you tear up the old carpet, you do some painting. If that was gen to gen, the We Are Family campaign, oh, this is a big bump out. We're adding a new bedroom. We're expanding the family room. uh, We're going to add uh, a new kitchen. That's much more of what the We Are Family campaign, those next phases of the plans would be. To add 10 new classrooms. Folks, this is a huge number I'm hearing $5 million raised, paying off the debt. Can we do that? I don't know. Can God do it? Absolutely. Don't we want to have a story at the end of this to say, we had all these hardships and all this, but God did something amazing? And don't you want to be a part of pouring into all the families that are moving here, the tremendous need, our two schools next door, they're adding Portables, because there are so many kids in need of education. Don't we want to invest in those young families, the single moms that have a child who needs nurturing? Families that say, I don't want to put my kid uh, in daycare at school and kindergarten all day, but a Christian environment. Don't we want to provide opportunities to help a young person with their homework? Don't we want space to have more Bible study, education, counseling sessions? How about a space when this place is being used for us to hold a memorial service or a wedding or a quiet place to pray? Here's the reality. Before COVID hit, we were already beyond capacity and living on top of one another. And so my prayer is that in the next six and a half months, the Lord would would guide us together, fitted together towards this vision. Okay. Implication number four, you'll hear a lot more about it, but I just wanted to share it. Implication number four and finally the church is right now the temple of God. Verse 20, 22. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Paul's speaking to these people 2,000 years ago, saying, Here and now, you are being built together right now into that dwelling place. For the living God, church, we are right now. Look around—a temple of God. So often we think, "Well, someday, or somewhere, or over there, or or when I die and go." I am like, no, no. The kingdom of God is right here, right now. In Christ, who preached peace, paid for our sin, killed hostility, charged us to love one another, to make disciples of all. If we implement these principles that I've laid out of evangelism and discipleship and fellowship and mercy ministry, all pointed in the same direction and in worship, and if we obey the commands of God to live holy lives, then we will be, and we are, the temple of God. See, God is gradually refurbishing his home in our hearts and in our church to suit his holy character by his spirit and through his word. I had to think about well what hymns are we going to sing my last Sunday. I still have a couple more Father's Day will be the last Sunday before I leave on sabbatical. And so I'm just going to start peppering peppering in some hymns. Can I just start singing? Rob's hands are in his face, but we used to sing hymns, right? That communicates so much of this. What do we sing? On uh, uh, Christ, the solid rock, we stand. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is what? Sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. We need help me with the waves there, Corey, next time. Is Christ your rock and your foundation, church? As I've gone around and got to know the families and the individuals represented here in this church and many of you at home, I know that to be true. This is the most solid, grounded in the gospel church I've served. Solid on Christ. Here's the implication and the challenge by way of a story. Our house that we bought three years ago is only seven minutes from here, and it's a wonderful home. It still needs a little bit of that renovation, like the gen-to-gen type renovations. And so I had a friend who's a contractor come and and take a look at our backyard. He said, Pete, the foundation of your house is rock solid, but you're on a hillside, and there's a retaining wall that the previous owner put in, and one side is perfectly plumb and true and isn't going to move in 100 years. The other side, not so much. It's sliding down the hillside. We can see the stones inch by inch uh, moving away, and eventually it's going to go. I said, Rob, what's the problem? He said, the problem is drainage. You have a solid foundation, but you also on one side have good drainage. On the other side, there's no place for the water to go. So here's the analogy for us, friends. As I look across and I see all these families who've raised their kids up and individuals who've engaged in Bible study and BESF and service and, and committing strongly to the Lord, how is the drainage in your foundation? All of the junk from the world that's washing down, all the lies from the world, do you think that you and you alone on your own from a foundation laid maybe in Sunday school or years ago can just take it, just keep taking it? Oh, no, I can handle this myself. Are there things that need to be let go, washed out, purified out of you? Choices you're going to make this summer, decisions you're making, all that pent-up excitement for, uh, for a vacation, and I get it, and I say yes and amen to getting out of town. But I want you to consider before we come to the table, if we're to be a holy temple to God, committed, committed, to the commandments of Jesus Christ, what needs to go? What needs to be deleted? What needs to be stopped? What words need to be stopped? What ideas are creeping in, mixing your allegiances to Christ and to other things? What are those things, before you come to the table, that need to be drained out and washed away? This summer, we will have one worship service. Starting on July 4th and through the summer, one worship service at 10 a.m. We had gone to two services because the church was growing such that we needed more and more space and more opportunity, even during summer, where for years and years that wasn't a need. It certainly was a need before COVID, and now the elders uh, and the core staff have said, no, we've discerned we need to come together with one service. I'll leave you with this. I'll ask Rob and his team to come up. These four implications have four major impacts. I'll just read them off, and then we'll pray for communion. Number one, there's a place for everyone. So love one another like family deeply and welcome new people. Engage in evangelism and outreach, engage in inviting your friends and neighbors. They are eager to be part of community. They are curious what does it mean to follow Jesus? They've heard so many things. You have the opportunity to engage in this. Number two, we are founded on the gospel, so listen to the teaching carefully this summer. Seek out discipleship opportunities. There will be opportunities for all ages throughout the summer. In our new studio that we're building right now, Uh, there's going to be gospel content being put out during the week, so it's not just a Sunday morning service or live stream. We're going to be producing content, recording content from our team that's going to be going out. Number three, join together. We grow together. So be united in this mission, the We Are Family uh, campaign that's six and a half months out of. Lots of communication, lots of time between here and there, and lots of prayer. We need prayer, folks, to be united, to consider how will we invest in what God is doing here. Legacy gifts. We're talking generational gifting to the ministries here. Fourth and finally, the church is a temple of God, so live holy lives as a temple, engaged in worship. Engaged in worship. It's fitting that we come to the table for communion. And it's my uh, sincere honor and pleasure to invite, uh, to join at table to help me lead in, in communion. Pastor Paul Kim, can, can we give him a warm welcome?
1: Uh, good morning, family. Uh, thank you so much for the praise <laughs> and the word. And it makes it more spiritual when you have a fog machine. So thank you for that as well. <laughs> um, but I'll you... Yeah,
0: ju- Nate came up to me, Captain Nate's here, he said, "Uh, is there supposed to be
1: smoke? I said, yeah, it's okay, it's okay. But all joking aside, uh, let's bow our heads in prayer as we prepare to come and partake of this Lord's table, where all are welcomed. Mm. And we remember the word that was just preached and proclaimed, not just to our heads, but to our hearts, that we are all together in this as family. Thank you, Lord, that you are building this church from the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we believe that there is no upgrade on the gospel. The gospel is perfect and strong and good as it is. There have been many upgrades before, but not with this story. And Lord, we remember the cross of Jesus Christ. We're at the foot of Jesus. We, the common denominator is that we are all sinners, O oh Lord God. Lord, we confess that we have often ignored the cries of the needy, the poor, the widows, and, Lord, we want that to echo into our hearts clearly, but not just so that we hear, but we respond by saying, Lord, we want to be sacrificial. We want to give, and we want to be generous, even to this new campaign, O oh Lord God. How often it is that we do other things first before we give into the house of the Lord. And, Lord, we don't give because we want something back. We give because we are your children. As a family, we give with a joyful heart. Lord, as your people come and partake of this, O oh Lord God. Lord, may they experience the everlasting and perfect and embracing love of the Father. In Jesus' name.